0: Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I am really excited about our guest today. We're joined by a Absolute rock star in the short-term rental game. Build a business that we're gonna we're gonna dive into, but a massive business inside of and and taking advantage of the the vacation rental game that we love so much. We've got Syed Latif joining us, and Syed, thanks so much for joining us. I know you know you those listeners that are used to joining us on the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast. They know that we have these great conversations, and I love when I get to talk to somebody who's been in the game, operating at a really high level, and uh, willing to share some of the secrets of what they're doing. So I appreciate you joining us, and welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and tell you a little bit about my story. Well, let's start there. Let's uh, let's let's dial it back a little bit, and maybe maybe tell us about what got you interested in this game, and, and maybe even beyond that of. Where, you know, Tell us a little bit about, about the backstory and, sure. and why we're here and what brought you into the short-term rental game and got you interested in the first place.
0: Sure. Uh, I'll kick it off just to say where I'm at right now, and then I'll take it back to how I got started. Love it. So currently, I have 300 units under management right now. I'm in the rental arbitrage space, and I have about 100 resources helping me run my business, and I've been in business for almost seven years now. Massive, so,
1: like 300, yeah. 300 properties under management. I mean, that's that's really awesome. Which there is a wealth of knowledge that comes when you're managing a portfolio that size, and so so
0: this is going to be really fun. So that that's where we're at now. So how did we get here? Yeah. So initially, I started in 2017. I was in the bigger pockets podcast craze where I was yeah. listening to all the podcasts, and I got into the idea of wanting to do house hacking and using low money down loans and purchasing my first multifamily property. So it it was 2017 when I purchased my first multifamily property using FHA financing, 5% down. I got into a four unit building plus basement. I lived in the basement. And after the year was done, I wanted to do something with the unit that I was currently living in. So I listened to another podcast and an individual was killing it on Airbnb. So I was like, why not try it since it's already furnished, ready to go? So right when I put it on to Airbnb, uh, I made double the rent. And I was like, whoa, like what's going on? Like double rent for um this place. It's not even a nice place, you know, yeah. uh, but people it's high demand. Then I started getting into my spring and summer season and I started to make three times the rent. And then that's when like my eyes opened up and I said, like, wait, like I want to make the remainder of my building um Airbnb as well. So the tenants leases were up for renewal, and many of them chose not to renew. Um, They were either like purchasing a house or wanting to move somewhere else. So I put their units on Airbnb. And immediately right off the bat, every unit I put on Airbnb, it was making three times the rent. So that's like three, four months into Airbnb, I was like, okay, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, I need to quit my corporate job and go in this like full time and like make something happen. So I went to my manager and I told her like, hey, I'm going to give you like a six weeks notice so we could transition slowly. And she said, I'm sorry to hear that you wanted to leave. Um, she came back to me like a few weeks later. She's like, can you work part time? And I said, yeah, you know, I'll work part time um, as long as I keep my benefits because I was like the biggest thing at that time. Yeah. And uh, so I was working part time, but it was really not part time. It was really I was just there and then I was working on my uh, starting my Airbnb business. So finally, after the year was complete, they're like, "Okay, we don't need you anymore." So that's when on January first, two thousand eighteen is when I started doing this full time. Uh, initially, I started off doing a property management business because I realized in my local market there was not any competitors. There was only one management company that was taking all the market share, according to Google. So I was like, "Okay, let me invest some money into SEO, and let's see." Uh, if I could get onto Google as an Airbnb management company. And like, I just spent like $2,000 and I was number one on Google because there's no competition. They didn't yeah. spend any money on SEO or anything. Um, so that's when like the leads started coming in fast. And I thought I was like the genius. Like I was like, this is like amazing. Like um, I'm already making more money than I made at my corporate job. Um, Like this is it, you know, I'm ready to go. I started getting a few clients. I uh, started working on onboarding them. And then after a few months, after a few months, I realized like, wow, this property management model is difficult. It's challenging. It's like, I'm somebody's assistant. They keep telling me to do this thing and that thing and this thing, and they're not happy with what I'm providing them. Um, they're not solely caring about just the dollars that are coming in. They really care about like other aspects of like a certain painting or how a uh, certain guest that came in and it was taking a toll on me it, the biggest thing that took a toll on me was um, I was able to get a client that had distressed Airbnbs in my market. The way I found them is I just went to Airbnb and I saw she had terrible reviews. Right. So I was like, Hey, you know, I could help you get your reviews up. I could make you more money. So I spent, you know, three, four months onboarding them, pitching to them, onboarding them. And then finally I, one month into the operation, she cut me off. And I'm like, whoa, I just like spend like four months of my time and for all this. And um, she just like, you know, cut me off so fast. And I'm like, I don't want to ever have this situation again. Luckily, at the same time, uh, I went to this one random networking event, nothing special. But there was a group in, in, uh, in a circle talking. And I said, I said, like, you know, I'm Sayed, I'm doing Airbnb. I'm looking for other landlords to do Airbnb um, in, in uh, like their units. And then this one individual raised their hand. They're like, hey, we're actually looking for somebody to do Airbnb in our buildings. And I was like, whoa, that's like weird for somebody just like to openly say that, you know, it's very, very, very um, unique. So I was like, can I have your contact information? She's like, well, let me give you the property management contact information and you could pitch to them and see how it goes. So I went and started calling them. No answer. I started like repeatedly calling them, finally got some answers. Um And they would just push me down the road, like, you know, uh, follow up in two weeks, follow up in three more weeks, follow up next month. Finally, like six months later, I started ending up coming to like their office, like just arriving in. I'm like, hey, I would love to do Airbnb for, with you guys. And then finally he was like, all right, you know, I'm tired of you coming in. Just talk to the boss, talk to the decision maker. So they put me in a room. Uh, the 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 boss walks in and he was like super alpha, did not let me say a word. Just like said, like, listen, I'm not getting in the Airbnb business. I'm not getting in the furniture business. I have no need to do this. You see the big, big business I have in real estate. I have a thousand units here and he just kept going off on, he would never do it. And then I said, okay, you know, last ditch effort. Can I rent two units from you? And I buy the furniture. I take on the risk. I handle everything and I just pay you the rent. And then he was like, you know, if you pay me the rent and don't cause me issues, take these two units. So I took those two units. Uh, Three, four months later, I was like, hey, can I get four more units? And he's like, you've been doing good. Take these four units. A couple months later, can I get five more units? He's like, yes, of course. I like working with you. Take five. Finally, he came to me. Opportunity is like, hey, I have these like 15 units that I just rehabbed. Uh, Would you like to take those on? And I said, yes. So like quickly with this one landlord, um, I went from, you know, two units to 35 units within a year. Yeah. And I, I realized this is the model that I like this rental arbitrage model when the word rental arbitrage didn't exist when I did this model. Right. Right. This came right. out in social media years later. Uh, so uh, I was like, wait, this is like amazing. He's not on my ass like for like um, how I'm doing things. I'm just running my business and I'm paying them the rent and I don't have to have another person telling me what to do, how to do it. And that's when like the whole rental arbitrage business came to me and me saying that, Hey, I want to take this full forward. And that was in the end of 2018. Am I following the timeline, right? Right into 2019. Yes, correct. 2018, all of 2018, 2019 is when I scaled up to those 35 units. Nice. Yeah. And and I, and
1: you know, those a lot, there's so many people that have been introduced to the short-term rental world post COVID. Right. And and not as many were in the game pre COVID and that, and I was, you know, I bought my first short-term rental back in 2006. And so I know how that game was, but you know, 17, 18, 19, we were seeing some nice momentum in the short-term rental space. Nothing like we saw after COVID hit where it just completely spiked, but it was, there was nice momentum, but again, not a lot of people talking about it, not a lot of people doing it. And I love when I hear stories of businesses, how they grow kind of organically. Right. And, and just like you said, you, you went into it with kind of with one goal with that property owner who had all those units and it turned into something else, but then all of a sudden you started to realize the possibilities of this, this business model for you personally. So we're, so we're at the 35 units. And right. that's when the light bulb's really starting to go off. It sounds like and saying, okay,
0: I think that there's, I think that this business model has some legs for me, right? Yeah, yeah. And like the one of the biggest ways I was able to scale with this landlord is I would ask for concessions up front. And at the time I was new, I didn't have any money, so and he had so much inventory at any given time. He had two hundred units vacant at any every single month, right? Yeah. He had thousands of units. Um, so I was asking for two to three months free up front. And uh, because of the seasonality for him as a, as a landlord during slow season for him, uh, he said, sure, you know, take it. And that allowed me to pay for my $8,000 worth of furniture and to recoup it back within those two to three months. Then I just take that money and then recycle it again. I didn't need to get like outside funding or any of that. Uh, I I don't get those deals anymore. Don't get me wrong. But back then when I was like super motivated, I would like beg for those deals. So, uh, I was able to get 35 units and then uh, we started doing sh- deals on handshakes, which was a mistake for me mm-hmm. um, because we were adding so much so fast and he, I was excited. He was excited or maybe he he wasn't excited. He just didn't care. Um, we started doing deals on handshakes. Um, then I started getting into my slow season and I was like, wait, my winter season, I'm about to lose a lot of money. And what if he puts me in a situation where after this winter season, he just tells me to pick up my stuff and leave. Then I did this all for no reason. Right. Yeah. Um, And I have all my eggs in one basket and um, I can't just trust one guy. Right. Business is business. So um, I was like, I need to find other landlords that would want me to be in their buildings as well. Uh, But now I'm more established. Uh, I have a reputation. I have some experience. I have one of the biggest landlords in my market, Tell uh, like working with me. So mm-hmm. my second pitch to the next landlord was much easier than my first one. It's Cause I had simple name drop. I was like, listen, I do business with XYZ. I have 35 units with him. Can I have two units with you? And instead of six months pitching them, it ended up being two months. Right. You know, and he's like, take these two units. Uh, eventually now with this second landlord, I have, maybe 80% of my business with now. Okay. Um, I have maybe not 80, 75 70% of my business. I have about 180 units with him. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm not doing business with the first guy anymore, but the second guy, he's my livelihood and he saved me, um, through some bad times where you're already going through my timeline to figure out what's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. So pre COVID post COVID. So, um, so, okay. So back to, back to my story. So 2019, I get a second landlord business with the first landlords going good. Um, we ended up doing a contract, a commercial lease, which was bad to do after we got units. Cause then you start arguing about certain terms that, um, could have just been done with before, you know, and, uh, so our relationship kind of went bad. We stopped talking to each other. So I'm not adding more units with him anymore, you know? Yeah. So, um, he put me on the back burner. He, he was like, listen, you know, I have 2000 units. I I could care less about your 35. Stop, stop talking to me now, you know? Right. And I think it's probably because of the negotiation style I had, but I was like nervous. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing it was I'm new to this. Right. Right. Um, so our relationship is not that good, but now I want to make sure my second relationship is good. So I'm adding units with him. Um, Same model, two units here, one unit here, five units here. I'm starting to add more units with this individual. Uh, An interesting opportunity came to me. Uh, There was this company called rented.com. Now they're a revenue management company, but before they were a company that uh, they talked to landlords and they signed the leases, then hired local property managers like me. To manage it for them, they pay the landlord, they pay me, they collect some fee, right? Right. They initially started that business model. Um, They had all the press behind them, raised $100 million. They have Vacasa's uh, CEO, Cliff Johnson, or whatever his name was. And uh, they had big landlords starting reaching out to them. They then they reached out to me. Can you manage this uh, new property, new property development that's coming up in this luxury A-class building, $100 million building, 350 units, pools, gyms, blah, blah, blah. Um, it had everything. They're like, can you help manage this? I'm like, yes, of course, you know. And so they put me in a room with like the developer, brand new building. The reason why um he has rented.com and me sitting at the table is because uh, it's his first luxury development he made. And he did not do any preleasing, so he received a certificate of occupancy, and a 350-unit building is empty. So now it's time to lease up that building, and then you know I was like, this suburb, I don't know if it's gonna be okay on this on Airbnb platform. There's zero inventory here, but that could be a good thing, right? Uh, because this is this is a luxury suburb. Like you have five million dollar homes nearby, yeah. you have hotels, you have um nice nice things nearby, and I was like, okay, let's start with three. It's the same process. After you proof the three, you start having conversations. They start trusting you. They say you're not like this crazy um, operator, the fly by night guy. Um, yeah. They see you're serious. Then it goes um, 10, 15, then 45. So like it ends up being a lot of units in um, this one building, which was a once in a lifetime deal that brought, brought to me from rented.com. Rented at the same time, uh, they, transition their business model and they left all the landlords high and dry. Like uh they find some clause in their agreement to like just terminate. And then I go to the developer. I'm like, listen, we don't need them. You know, um we could have the same model. I already do this business model with like these hundred 100 units I have um besides you. Let's just continue operations and let's just continue business together. So finally uh 2020 um is is here. Uh, I scaled up to my my business. I have hundred or so units, 120, 130. Um, my winter season is there and I'm losing money right now because it's winter, Yeah. but landlords are motivated to have me come in their buildings. So I'm taking on private funding, credit cards. I opened up like maybe like 10 credit cards cause like they just, they kept on accepting me. Every, everyone, every application I went on and they kept on accepting me. I'm like, Oh, this is great. You know, like, um, I got like $300,000 of credit card funding, $200,000 of private loans, taking losses, growing my units, 60 units during the winter time. Now I'm at 180 units. I'm saying spring break is coming. Busy season's coming. I'm going to make once-in-a-lifetime money this year. This is going to be amazing, right? Um, And then I'm like, okay, let me just get to spring break, March, middle of March. I'll be fine. March 15th comes about. March 15th, announcement comes out. Oh, all flights are grounded and uh then the next announcement comes out airbnb is refunding all the guests all the reservations for the next coming month and then all of a sudden i see a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of reservations leave my account all of a sudden i've taken like you know uh i don't even know how much losses it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars losses in my winter i have all these credit card debt uh i have i owe um people money and now I have zero dollars in my bank account from Airbnb, and April one, my my rent of three four hundred thousand dollars was coming about, and I was like, okay, uh, something unforeseen came up. I tried this business, I did something cool, but it's done. Like there's not there's nothing there. What? Well, how can I get out of this? There's nothing I could do. But then I was like, okay, uh, let me take it back. Let me go back and say like, all right, for me to survive right now, I need what things to happen. And I made a list like 10 things to happen. Majority of it was uh, a few things. One, I needed to speak to landlords right away, renegotiate terms. Yeah. Number two, I needed some outside funding to help me. Uh, so quickly, the outside funding part was uh, I had to refinance one of my properties and interest rates were super low. And I made some uh, forced equity on uh, one of my buildings. So I took out a hundred thousand dollars. I had to pay off one private lender cause I didn't want to ha- deal with him. Um, so I gave him a hundred thousand dollars. And then uh, EIDL funding came out, <clears throat> PPP funding came out. Uh, the one unfortunate thing was everybody in my company was contractors. Yeah. So uh, PPP funding, um, I kind of get much, but, you know, I thought like maybe 30,000. I'm like, all right, you know, this helps a little bit. Let me pay off the other private um, creditor. And then um, EIDL came out and then that was a lot more money because it was a loan. They gave me $150,000 for that one. And then so I paid another, like, I was just transferring like um, debt money to another uh, another loan that I had just yeah. to get people off my case. Because if I go bankrupt, then they'll deal with me, whatever. Um, so that helped significantly for me to get me out of my, um, small little loans. But the biggest thing was going to the landlords. I went to the landlords and I told them like, we have three options. One is we go on a revenue share agreement for whatever money comes in. Uh, we'll, we'll split it 60, 40, 50, 50, whatever it is, just give me enough money to have me employ my people in my business so I can still continue to be in business. Cause The second I can't pay them, I'm out of business, right? So yeah. I said, that's all the money I need, and I need to be able to uh, feed my family. That's all the money I want. And then so at the time we thought 50 50 was fair. Um, they're like, if does this doesn't work out in two months, then we could uh, you know, just pick up your stuff. That was option number one. Uh number two was just allow me to turn term- terminate my leases, pick up my stuff and leave. And call it a day you don't want to touch me anymore like there's no like you don't you do not want me in your units and number three was you know I stay in your units you come after me uh you sue me you try to collect on my assets which I don't have I was saying I don't have which I did I was scared to let go of those things that I had um because that was like my livelihood now you know yeah and uh I was like you could sue me for it and there was maybe like uh, three or four landlords, I had 10 landlords, three landlords were like, listen, we're not COVID charity. Uh, we're going to take every dollar from you that you owe us. And uh, another, la- other landlords, like three of the landlords were like, just pick up your stuff. But the two most important landlords was the one from the luxury building that I just mentioned about. And the second landlord that I told you about that kept me in business. Um, So 90 units, revenue share, 90 of the units, I settled with the landlords or I gave, I picked up my stuff either or two months rent, three months rent, whatever it was. Cause weeks went on after lawyers got involved, they started seeing like how COVID was going to affect like all the industries in the world Mm -hmm. and not just travel, but it hit travel like day one, right? Like travel was like the first industry to hit. But like, as the days went on, they started realizing like how bad it was going to be for everyone else. So they're like, okay, We don't want to touch this guy. Just get the heck out. Just don't hold on to my unit. That's like the worst thing for a landlord to hold on to a unit, dealing with all like the squatting and litigation process off out of that. So anyways, like after I settled, I went from 180 units back down to 90, but I'm doing revenue share now. And uh, the 90 units on revenue shares with two landlords and they kept me in business, you know? And in my market or in all markets, the short-term rental market was doing a lot better than the hotels. People were saying hotels were a revolving door of diseases, right? Yeah. If you went to a hotel, you get COVID. But short-term rentals, you have everybody living in their apartments. They're not going to, um, like, you know, it's not in and out of all these people. So my Airbnbs were not that bad. And my landlords were satisfied with the amount of money I was making for them. It wasn't 100% of the rent that they were receiving. It was like maybe 75, 80, which is better than zero, you know, Um, and that allowed me to continue my business. So 180 to 90. So I I know I'm ranting a lot, but uh, no, it's great to to hear.
1: And I I love (laughs) and that's why I didn't want to do too many interruptions. I love that people can hear because I think sometimes people, you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, rolling up your sleeves and putting in the work. And I'm a big believer of. Hey, you know, if you want something good to happen, you got to go make it happen. And you're going to have some bumps in the road when you're making things happen, period. Right. And some things are things that you can avoid. And some things that you know, are our fault, we learn them, we learn lessons along the way we make mistakes, other things are unavoidable, and we got to deal with all of it, right? right? And you can either deal with it, or you can play a victim and say, right. I'm going to, I'm going to be the victim, and I'm going to let everybody else deal with it. And usually, victims don't come out on top. And like so you. So I love listening to that story of kind of how you went through and rolled through and made different decisions when everything just kind of turned upside down at that time. It, you know, that that was, it was an interesting time where, and it was so unpredictable, right? You're, and, you know, it, and it depended on where you were at, right? Like too, like you're, you're, I'm curious, like, I know that you dealt with different landlords. Is your portfolio concentrated in the Chicago area where you're at is, or would yeah. you- you know, do these Major- landlords have um you did so your portfolio was in in your, you know, in your area that you're local to?
0: Majority of my portfolio is located in Chicago and Chicago suburbs. Yeah. Um these landlords, some of them are national, not national, meaning like there may be like three, four, five markets. Right. Um, but I have not focused with going to other markets outside of those. Uh, outside with those landlords. And, and so I will say, like, there's some of those
1: those major metro areas seem to be more shut down and more locked down than some, like, vacation destinations, for example, in short-term yes. terms, right? Yes. And so, right. so right. the challenges in some of the metro areas lasted a little longer than they might have in some of these, you know, these destination markets that were, you know, some of them were not even hardly shut down at all, right? And so right. that's important to know, that you were navigating those waters for longer than some people that were in that game.
0: Yeah so I'll tell you like a little stories about like what happened to allow me to be okay in my urban market. Mm-hmm. So I told you about the luxury A class building located yeah. in the suburb. So at the time in in Chicago there was a lot of like the riots and looting and all yeah. the craziness that was going on and uh, everyone was saying like Chicago's unsafe. People were in their small little apartments wanted to get out and wanted to go to vacation rental markets and um other things like that. But Uh, the suburb was like this next best thing. Right. So um, my complex had the nice pools and like the nice everything. So when maybe 50 percent of my business was at the time, 90 units, like 50 units or whatever was um, in the suburbs, everybody from Chicago was coming over to the suburbs at that time. And all of a sudden I had great demand in my suburb building. But in addition, in Chicago, there was a huge decrease of supply that left the market because of COVID and regulations. So yeah. it went from maybe six thousand short-term rentals during that time, it over like a month period, two months period, went to three thousand. Yeah. So, uh, when when that happens, that helps with like you know rates and demand a little bit because there's sure. still people traveling a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, each market was specific to what happened in that market, and all I care about is my market, right? So this is a story of my market. So. Um. yes, urban got hurt. Uh, my specific urban market got hurt, but not as bad as others. Yeah. In addition, my luxury building in the suburbs helped offset some of like the lower demand that I was receiving in my entire business. So that's kind of the story behind mine. Yeah. And and going yeah. through and, and the reason I, I think that's important, too, as we
1: as we impact like the, the journey there is you're able, you know, I always hear people when they look from the outside looking in, you know, your armchair quarterbacks and say, well, yeah, that worked for you because you got, you know, all these different things lined up. Oh, yeah, you could do that, but I can't. Right. We've heard that right. so many times when we, you know, I know that you help mentor people and coach people. I do as well. And, it, you know, I always tell people most of the time they, you know, we get in our own way. And and that's one of the number one ways we get in our own way is looking at somebody else from the outside looking in and and saying, well, they could do it because of this. You you went through a really tough market and a tough way and you were able to make decisions, renegotiate, do different things. Some things went away during that time, but it also opened up different opportunities, but you learn a lot, right? You become a lot more resilient. You become really confident when the markets did start to take off, when, you know, you know, those destination markets skyrocketed right after COVID. And then they started to level off. And the urban markets then started to come right back in action, because the urban markets are there's always things going on, you know, there's always different, you know, people coming in. And and so you were able to realize, okay, I could I could operate my business in in one of the most turbulent times we've ever seen in this type of a, a space in this game. And now things are starting to you know, the, the, the market's a little bit, you know, getting better and I can, you know, really go take advantage of it. You're able to build your business and gives you a lot more confidence when you start to see new shifts, you know, no, no shift or no, you know no crisis is ever the same but as market markets will always go up and down markets will always shift around yeah. and w- whether that's <clears throat> demand supply you know whether it's re- rules regulations whether it's you know the pandemic whatever it is there, no, no no hiccup is ever the same but you learn so much when you have to go through them right. and and it's really i always find it interesting talking to people that have gone through those hiccups, I think we learned so much more than just hearing the story of, you know, the next, you know, from 2021 till today, where business has been really good, right? And then now we're seeing the market shift again for different reasons. And we have to navigate that. But when you have 300 units in your portfolio, under management with you, and you're building a a business that size, there's a lot of operational, um, you know, SOPs and and everything that you've got to have in place in order to be efficient enough to actually make that work, right? Especially to have the profits that you want at the end of the day, because I'm sure, you know, 300 properties, you're going to have a certain amount of top line revenue that's great. But really, I'm I'm assuming that that's where you probably got really good over the last couple of years is really figuring out, okay, I got this top line. How do I squeeze that bottom, that my profitability
0: by becoming more and more efficient on the operations? Oh, yeah. So I would love... I want to get into this topic. Um I have stories about this too and some of the stuff that I'm dealing with at the moment too. When uh you know, right now I, I overhired uh because I had targets that I was gonna make uh in 2023. Um, that I was going to get to X amount of units and X amount of revenue because I thought the same trend from 2022 of the pent-up demand year was going to continue, but it did not. Right mm-hmm. In my market, it decreased significantly. And all of a sudden, I overhired, thinking that I was going to get to that target, and I didn't. So now I'm taking action to lower my expense because I have too many people on staff. So when I say 100 people, um, it's not a good feeling to have 100 people because it's not going to be 100 people in the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, so I do want to get into that. Um, but I do want like the audience to understand like from 90 to like, how did I get to this? Like uh, 300 um, and like the finish the timeline. Um, And then I would like to talk about like the details in my business, if that's okay with you. Love it. You love it. Yeah. Let's, let's go there. Okay. So um, back to the COVID, you know, I had 90 units and now I'm on revenue share. The demand is good in my markets. Landlords are happy. Uh, Then, an opportunity came to me again, a once in a lifetime opportunity that I will never see again. Uh, there was a big company that had maybe thousand units in nationally called stay Alfred. And they could not survive the pandemic. They were in the middle of a funding round, right when the pandemic hit and no investor wanted to invest in this industry during that time. So they couldn't raise funding. So they had to sh- uh, close down doors. And at the time is when like COVID happened and, the opportunity came like hey they're looking to sell their furniture and i was like like listen i'm trying to just survive in my business i could care less about uh their furniture um like i can't even offer zero dollars or i can't even offer a dollar on on their furniture you know but the individual who brought me the opportunity was like listen uh offer a dollar then and see what happens and so i ended up offering 200 dollars per unit um to stay off to stay offers at liquidation attorney and maybe like three, four, five months later, they came back and said like, "Hey, we accept your offer." Wow. On these like on these like twenty units, and like it costs like you know eight to ten thousand dollars per unit for me to furnish. Stay Alfred probably spent fifteen thousand because they like spending money when they have a lot of money. Yeah. Um. So I ended up getting that furniture from Stay Alfred, and at the same time, my landlords were not doing too well because there was a lot of less demand for apartments in Chicago. So I was like can I continue to add units with you and that revenue share agreement that we have going on, that's working well. And they're like, yes, take these units. So I'm, I was moving furniture from Ohio, from Minnesota, Atlanta, Dallas, and I was putting this furniture into those units. And then I, I go back to the state Alfred attorney. Can I buy 20 more? Can I buy 30 more? I ended up buying 150 apartments worth of furniture from state Alfred's bankruptcy and Domio's bankruptcy in total. I had 150 apartments. I had warehouses like everywhere. I had, like four warehouses. Yeah. I was sending people to all different cities. I was Googling how to, um, how to like get a truck from one location to another. I was, then I found out there's an Uber freight at the time. I don't even know if it exists anymore. And then I was getting movers from Facebook groups. I was, um, getting warehouses in multiple locations. Um, uh, but I needed it to be month to month cause I didn't know what I was going to do. So I had to negotiate that with like the landlords and like, Literally, like overnight, I became like a warehousing logistics freight company, you know, because I had this once in a lifetime opportunity for furniture, pennies on the dollar. And I was found an opportunity with my landlords to move this furniture in. So I was like, hey, this is like, um, like this is going to be my million dollar gamble. Like, I'm going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on this, but if this hits, I'm going to make a million dollars from this, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it hit, you know, yeah. I was able to get this furniture and, I was a bit able to put it into apartments and, uh, all of a sudden 2021 comes along and demand is strong in my market, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden I made once in a lifetime amount of money and I have once in a lifetime amount of apartments, you know, don't get me wrong. If I, if COVID never happened, I would still continue the same growth, but I have this like roller coaster up and down now. Right. So I ended up getting back what I lost and some more. And all of a sudden I um in in 2021 is when I had like a seven million dollars worth of revenue. And uh, you know, it was it was amazing. And me, I had also a, okay, so in 2021, in my slow season, I was on revenue share, which in usual uh, in slow seasons I lose a lot of money. So I didn't lose that money in the um uh revenue share. Yeah. And then all of a sudden February, March came up, they're like, listen, uh, either you pay rent going forward or you get out of my units. Uh, we can't do this revenue share anymore. And then so I'm like, all right, I'll pay rent. So all of a sudden, I, I avoided the slow season. Now I'm paying rent. Now I don't have to pay the extra money in the summer to them. It was just like the timing of it just like worked yeah. out. In negotiation, lucky, right? Or you make your luck happen. Anyways. Yeah, you make your luck. Yep, yeah,
1: I right. totally agree.
0: So um, that was 2021. I made once in a lifetime amount of money. 2022 comes up and I'm like, okay, so this summer... Now I'm seeing that there's going to be a pent up demand. Like I know 2022 is going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Now I'm even adding more units. Uh, I do get my slow season losses now, which I didn't get last year, um, but now I have more units. And all of a sudden it was like May where like the mask mandates dropped, and uh, everybody's like, okay, COVID's gone. Everyone could travel again. Everyone's out and about. And I had the craziest summer I ever had in 2022. I was making, you know, a million dollars a month in uh, in revenue. And um, there was a lot of pent-up demand. It was amazing. I thought I was a genius. Uh, I'm like, okay, now my next year, I'm from like 250 units. I'm going to get to 400 units. Uh, I'm going to hire my dream team employees, U.S. resources, Filipino resources, let me build out my perfect organization, start hiring, hiring, hiring. And all of a sudden, um, my winter ends up being the worst winter I ever experienced mm. this next coming winter. So what I believe there was fatigue in my market where everyone came in the summer, then nobody wanted to travel again until like, uh, cause they spent their money. Uh, they had fun. They don't need to come back to Chicago and hotels started opening up like um, things. So all of a sudden I'm getting $350,000 losses a month. And starting November, which I never had that in a long time, right? Like losses, my losses were small during November, December, $350,000 loss, January, $400,000 loss, February, $350,000. All of a sudden I have like $1.5 million losses in five months. And I had like $1.2 million of reserves in my bank account. And now I'm short $300,000. And all of a sudden I'm back to putting things on credit cards. I'm back to deferring rent for five days. I'm looking forward to spring break again. Uh, Spring break doesn't happen like it um, happened before. And all of a sudden, like, okay, you know, um, I thought I was the smartest guy, but I'm not the smartest guy anymore, you know? And all of a sudden it's like, uh, please let the summer come back in 2023. Uh, And then finally it comes to a point where, you know, I exhausted all my like cash for everything I stopped. I stopped doing auto pays for my utilities. And then summertime comes, Summertime is good, but it's not as good as 2022. Now my ref par and my demand is down 25% from the previous year. Mm. And this is this is what I believe is the new normal. That Those years of 2021 and 2022 was like once in a lifetime thing. And now supply is creeping back up in my market. Um, the demand is lower. Hotels are bringing people in. All this crazy media stuff on Airbnb is coming out about um Airbnb horror stories Airbnb bust Airbnb um too many fees associated to um uh, and Airbnb is not cheap anymore all this media stuff happened hotels are now uh opening up and now they're like uh, they did all like their capex. they're all brand new and perfect nice places conferences are coming back and people are shifting back to hotels and all of a sudden my demand is down 25 percent so Um, when I thought I was going to get to the $17 million, $20 million, uh, 400 units, 450 units, uh, I was going to make 2 million, $3 million worth of profit. I could have my perfect dream team. I didn't hit any of that. I'm starting to lose units now. You know, um, I'm starting landlords are saying, Hey, you're causing too many problems in my places. Oh, Hey, my my land, my long-term tenant demand is coming back. I don't need you anymore. Um, I'm starting to lose units. I'm starting to lose money. I'm starting to uh, um, see like, Hey, it's not like a perfect thing anymore. But my monthly run rate for my employees is um, way too high, like way, way too high. I'm start comparing it to some of my colleagues that have scale of uh, my size. And then um, they're like, you, you probably have double amount of employees that you should have right now. Yeah. And my margins went from like 20%. Now they're in the single digits. Um, and now I feel, I feel bad that I did this like forecast of growth and it didn't hit. And then now all of a sudden I have to go back and I have to take action or else, you know, uh, and then people unfortunately are going to lose their livelihood from me from, um, because of this too, you know? So, you know, I feel bad now that I, I was too ambitious too too much growth, made some of the wrong moves, didn't see what was coming about. You know, I make some decisions that are right. Like I made a couple of million dollar wins that are right. But, you know, on the other end, I'm going to uh, make some wrong ones. And this is my wrong one. Now I have to adjust again. But um, for me, it's like I have to make this. Like I have to start from scratch now. I have to be like, okay, at my size now, you know, 300 units. But I have some landlord terminations coming up in a month or two. That's going to bring me down to 275 then 260, you know. I'm going the wrong way. So it's like, okay, I need to make my business um, now at two hundred and sixty, not 400 right now, it's at, it could go to 450, 450 units, 500 units, like right now, the current staff, and now I have to bring it back down to like this 260 unit mark and have my team according to that. So that's kind of like what I'm going through in my business at the moment. Cause like you brought up that like operationally, how do you handle it?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting journey. And I love and really appreciate you sharing it, because I think people there's so much to unpack there. But it's, there is, there's a lot of lessons. And it's something that I 100% want to put a kind of an exclamation point on when you said those years of 2021 2022, those were blips in the market that was never going to be the new norm. Right. That we we've got to be able to uh, recognize that that's what that was. Right. We kind of did a lot. I mean, we had the never ending summer for almost a year and a half, two years. And and we had a lot of a lot of people traveling. The supply and demand gap was was still fairly wide. There was there was a lot more demand than supply. Demand continues to go up, but supply has gone up significantly. So everybody's fair share of business has gone down. Right. And so, you know, we've been, you know, as we've we've gone through some of that same thing where we're really interested in maximizing a smaller portfolio and really getting rid of the assets in the portfolio that aren't high producers. I believe that now going forward, in you know, short-term rentals are a mainstream asset at this stage. Vacation rentals are not going away. Short-term rentals are not going away, right? They're not. I mean, I, it makes good headlines to say Air, Airbnb's done and short-term rentals yeah. are done. That's not going to be the case. There's a place for hotels, there's a place for short-term rentals. Neither one of them solved the problem of the other. And so and, and it's such a preferred way to stay and travel at this stage for a lot of people. That being said, in any mature market, and as this market has matured, the top 20% of properties in most markets make 80% of the money. And, and that's true across markets, but it's also true in our own portfolios many times, right? And right. so we're always constantly looking and say, okay, what are, the, what are the properties in our portfolio that make us the most amount of money and how do we maximize those and get more of those and weed out the other ones that we don't have? So you, it sounds like you're going through that right now in your business. And there's not always... You know when when that supply and demand gap is wide in business, you just want more inventory, right? We want more. Right. We want to add more to the supply because we want to get our our share of that business and that money that's out there. But when that starts to level up, now it's a matter of getting quality assets in the portfolio and making sure that we make as much money as we can and maximize those assets. And so, you, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not top line revenue that matters in any business right. and every business owner, we all learn it. You know, we all chase right. it. We all chase right. the top line. But at the end of the day, it's what are we putting in our pockets at the, at the, you know, in, in and how are we operating at high margins and, in, you know, how much are we padding the bank account every single month? And that's where, it, it, you know, and I, and I love that you shared that journey because that's where so many people do and go through in business. And that's where you're at now. It's like, Hey, you built a really good business. You've learned a lot of lessons. You understand operations. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, you know, we put the, you know, the pedal to the, you know, the gas or the foot to the gas pedal a, a little bit to try to run as fast as we can. And we have to back off a little bit to then go maximize and get more efficient.
0: Agreed. hundred percent. Agreed.
1: Yeah. So, um, awesome. This is, I mean, this hour has flown by, like, this is, this is crazy. Oh, wow. I love, I love, I love <laughs> going through the, and having these conversations. I think you and I could talk about this for or three or four more hours. <laughs> um, but those, you know, I, I like to always kind of dial it back and, and yep. really bring in side the, you know, kind of the key points and the lessons learned. And, and if you could, you know, I always like to, to toss it back to you and, and just say, you know, as, as you're going through the story, as you're in right now in today's market and understanding that we're, you know, the market's leveling off, the opportunity is still there, I believe. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, think that there's actually a major opportunity. You, you, you see some of the biggest growth phases during some of the, you know, kind of the slowdowns or sign, and we've got kind of a weird market where people yeah. are kind of saying, where, where are we at right now? Right. And and there's a lot of different things that we could unpack there we won't go there right now because we're we're running out of time but it's uh but from your perspective what are you excited about right now what are some of the things that are on your radar to pay attention to that that will give you a little bit of pause that you want to make sure that you navigate and maybe because with your experience i think it's important for somebody that's diving into this game right now to hear about some of the things that you might be maybe one or two things you're really excited about and one or two things that you're that you're really watching and paying
0: attention to yeah, so a few things in my mind in my opinion on that is one, um I like hearing that demand is flat, right? Um, that goes to me like I was scared like recessions are coming up. People are gonna take away um their extra uh, extra money that they have and not traveling and stuff. But I like seeing that nothing crazy is happening from um spending. You, you see like the um the u s. is increasing rates and doing all this stuff to slow down the growth but nothing is slowing down this growth. And mm-hmm. to me, that's great, right? I want growth. Yeah. Uh, right. Selfishly, for my business, I want inflation, right? I want people right. spending money. Right. Um, I don't care about how much gas costs. I don't care how much milk costs. Um, I want more dollars in my pocket, right? So um, for me, demand being strong is a good thing. Um, at this, Like you mentioned, but supply is increasing quickly. And that's what's, what's going on in the media right now. And uh, for me, yes, there are markets that supply is growing too fast or it grew too fast, especially during COVID. And everyone started pouring into those high hot um, demand vacation rental markets. But that was not a long term thing. Like eventually that's going to die out. So uh, for me, it's like, um, yes, that happened. Yes, that's going to hit the media. But that's not every single market. That's not every single niche everybody could have their own market and that has nothing to do with what happens nationally. I don't care what's happening in Arizona or I don't care what's happening in Austin. And I don't care what's happening in Florida either. Um, I care about what's happening in my backyard, right? Um, The media can say Airbnb bus. Good. Say it, you know, say that so more people don't come in the business. So I could figure out how to continue to grow in my business. Right. Or I could help people that believe, still believe in the business to help start their business. And uh, for me, it's like, um, yeah, I was losing my train of thought. So that's kind of like my mind. Yeah,
1: And and I think it's, I think one of those key points is when you say, you know, you don't care about Arizona, Florida, if you're, you, real estate is always very, very regional, short-term rental game, very regional and very, it's a, this is a local business. It's a hyper-local business. And so, you should understand the market you're in and what drives what are the profit drivers how much money's being spent what are your occupancy your seasonality all those important metrics that you need to pay attention to in your market it doesn't matter nationally if if a market is you know they say okay you know house prices have gone up five or six percent over the year nationally that doesn't really matter (laughs) did it go up or go down in your market because there's some markets that went down there's some markets that went up a lot more than that and so National averages, which is what a lot of people just hear and read, are really, frankly, irrelevant. Most people right. don't invest nationally, right? They're, they're, we, right? We invest locally. And so understanding those local numbers is really, really critical. And, and then you can start to make those decisions on investability. You know, if this is a market that has some viable, you know, a, a decent amount of money being spent in your market, what does that look like? How do you go get your unfair share? and and really learn to succeed in this business. So Syed, this has been an awesome conversation. And so yeah. this is, uh, I want, uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in hearing where they should follow you, how they should find you, where should we point them?
0: Yeah, so follow me on my Instagram. Um, I have it at the bottom of my, of my screen. It's Syed b b so at S Y E D B N B. and b And on Instagram, I have stories about like stuff that I'm going through, problems that I'm going through. And, um, if you're in the business, you could relate to some, or if you want to learn about the business, uh, you could see some of these stories and see what I'm going through on a daily basis.
1: Love it. And I appreciate it. And so you guys that are listening just on the, on audio, it's at S Y E D B and B. So Syed B and B on Instagram, go follow. And you can hear from this conversation. And I so appreciate somebody that is, you know, open and honest and authentic and just telling us, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, because that's how we learn. And that's how we walk into this with our eyes wide open. So you guys listening, joining us, we know how valuable your time is. We very, very much appreciate you spending it with us. And as we have these conversations, I learned so much. I hope you do as well. I always leave you with two things at the end of every episode. And the first is if you got some value, if you know anybody that would get value out of these types of conversations, like share this show. If you have more than 30 seconds, leave us a review. Those things do help us whatever platform you're listening and watching on, whether it's YouTube or your favorite podcast channel. And then the final is a challenge I leave you with every single day. And that's to go pick one thing that you can do today to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit vodicy.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.